The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. This is episode 20 be another uh, baseball-heavy edition as spring training has officially begun. And uh, with me on episode 20 will be a person that many of you might know from Twitter. You can find him on Twitter, at Boston underscore Mo. Mo, how are we doing tonight? Good. What's going on, man? Not much, not much. Uh, known each other for a little while on Twitter. Uh, you're quite diverse in the sporting world, and I wanted to get you on for many reasons. We've been talking about some things, but we won't get into that, but uh, also because your Pats just won a Super Bowl. I can't have Doc on every time to talk Patriots. Um, uh, the Celtics are on fire. We'll talk about them. Most importantly, when we start talking baseball, the Sox, there's a lot to talk about there. But um, let's kick it off. Patriots, I'll let you have your moment. They uh, come back from around the world, I guess you could say. I don't know. Uh, the tale of two halves. Just give me a little bit. From a Pats fan's perspective, the ups and downs, the roller coaster, what was it like watching that game as a Patriots fan? Yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, the first half you look at it and it's just like, you know, they couldn't do anything. The Falcons were all over the place. And I honestly thought the offensive line would be able to handle the Falcons. And, you know, Vic Beasley's running all over the place. Deion Jones, if I could take one guy off that team, I mean, I know Trufant was hurt. I mean, that guy is just a beast. I mean, he's all over the place. Um. But it was just, you know, I know some people won't believe it, but, you know, I always thought they were in the game. I never even, you know, thought about, you know, stopping to watch the game or anything like that. I thought they always had a shot. And then, you know, it got towards the the third quarter and we had six minutes left. You're down 19. It's like, mm, it's getting a little bit dicey, but you know, once we got into that fourth quarter, I mean, it was it was just out of control. And, and to get two two-point conversions, I mean, as much as, you know, we, we, we joke about Mike Tomlin going for two-point conversions all the time in, like, regular season games and thinking he's, like, Chip Kelly in college or something like that, it's – it's I mean, that's really, really tough. You know, thanks, Koskowski, for, help, for helping us out there with that one. Um, but, you know, I mean, once they won it, it was just – and I, I try to be one of those Patriots fans It's just, like – I try to be Switzerland because I'm not one of those guys that I know every rule about the Wells report and the flake gate and, you know, spy gate and all that crap. I try to be Switzerland and, you know, I don't, 
throw it down people's throats. And, you know, some of those Patriots fans are just truly out of their minds. So, I mean, it was, you know, five Super Bowls. I mean, what, what I, you just, you have to throw everything out and it, it's just Tom's the best ever. Bill's the best ever. If you don't believe it, you don't believe it. That's fine. But it, it was just incredible. Yeah, no, uh, people that have listened to the pod before or whatever, I'm a Dolphins fan, so yeah. uh, I I hate the Patriots, but I've said it <laughs> over and over again. I respect the shit out of the Patriots. Yeah. Um, what they do is unbelievable. I said it before, you guys basically traded your two best defensive players, and you still had the number one scoring defense in the league. Um, what Belichick does is remarkable. Uh, Brady gets older, you could see their signs even in the first half where he didn't look like Brady. He almost he threw a couple passes that looked like Peyton Manning ducks from last year. And you started thinking, oh shit. Yeah. And then you know, when they needed him, Brady was Brady. Yeah. Um it was crazy. It was I was just in awe. And you know, you're when you go to Super Bowl parties, maybe not in Patriot land where everyone's used to things, but like out here going to Super Bowl parties, you have a bunch of people that just show up, have zero clue about football. They're just there for the party. And they're all sitting there going, oh, this game's a blowout. It's over. And I'm sitting there going, you guys have no clue who's playing right now, do you? Because (laughs) that that team on the other side of the field right now, if anybody's coming back, it's those guys. (laughs) Well, it was (laughs) like the whole whole Sound FX thing. I don't know if you watch it because if I was a Dolphins fan, I probably wouldn't watch it. But, like, you know, Muhammad Sanu, the whole game – it, it, don't, it doesn't matter. We're going to put a 40. And then Taylor Gabriel's like, hey, they got Tom Brady over there. I mean, this, this shit ain't over until it's over. Yep. It's like, and I told everybody at the party, like the best like, comparison I told them, it's like, when you're trying to kill something, you cut it off at the head. You don't bleed it to death. <laughs> With the Patriots, the Patriots, you cut it off at the head. <laughs> and and they, they just tried to slow bleed it. And you don't do that. Yeah. Um, that was, it was just, it was amazing. Um, Brady, it was awesome. I was hoping for more at the trophy exchange. Kraft was awesome. Kraft was amazing. Yep. That was that was as that was as good as you could do without just basically giving Goodell the bird. Um, but Brady and Belichick, I guess they were just still just exhausted. But um yeah, yeah Jonathan anything. Kraft, he like the the so Kraft's son who's going to be the owner. He, okay. His handshake was like was he didn't even look at him. He just basically gave him a handshake and, and like looked at the ground and said like thanks and that was it because he 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 would be more outspoken if it, if it wasn't for you know Bob Kraft telling him hey we got to keep mm-hmm. our seat in the, in the ownership you know we got to be one of the top owners here if, and if we and that's why he gave up and, and didn't fight it. I mean he clearly could have fought it, but. Neither here nor there. So, yeah, uh, Kraft's in a tough spot because the owners basically pay Goodell, right? So it's like how how much do you fight it? Like you said, just like yeah, he's on the TV committee too. So it's he's he's kind of you know one him Jerry Jones, you know Snyder, all those those are those are the big guys. Yeah, and then uh, I thought it was great. You looked at Patricia coming out in the the barstool shirt, and then (laughs) and then you look at the parade. They all have the all the gear they're all wearing it oh yeah and Goodell's just gotta be well I guess he came out with a something yeah um, no him and the owners are they they weren't happy with it I guess or something like that but it's like let them have their fun like what are you gonna do yeah they basically yeah they, they deserve to give you a little middle finger but um 
real quick, what do you think the future holds for the Patriots? How much longer do you see Brady and Belichick sticking around? I think as long as they're there, there there's really no stopping those guys. Um, what do you see? What do you see with the Patriots? Yeah, I mean, it, supposedly a story came out like you know right before the Super Bowl that you know Kraft and Belichick have a like a date that he's going to be done. You know, he doesn't want to be Marv Levy. He doesn't want to coach into his 70s. I think he's 64, 63 right now. Uh, so, you know, and, and there's always been rumblings about Belichick wanting to win without Brady to kind of prove that, like, hey, you know, I didn't need him to do it. So I think he, he probably goes five years, I would say, something like that. You know, 68 years old he'll be. And then he'll call it a day and he'll, you know, be at his house and hang him right down the street from me and you know he'll be down in Nantucket and on his boat hopefully it'll be like eight rings instead of six rings or seven rings by the time you know we'll get to the nine rings and we can call it and call it a day oh, we're, getting, um, and then it, huh? we're getting greedy oh, I know we're getting real greedy but you know that's just the way it's been so um, and then Brady so I've heard three years which means they most likely trade Garoppolo this offseason. You know, if you go off two and a half quarters, then, you know, I guess you have to trade him if you trade for him, if you're Chicago or the 49ers or the Browns. You know, I don't think the Texans can do it because they have Brock's contract. But, you know, I think it's three years, and then they just keep kind of drafting quarterbacks. I mean, they started with Kevin O'Connell, even though he sucked in the third round, you know, eight years ago. They, were, they always just take a shot. Because you just quarterbacks, you never know. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think three years for Brady gives us three more chances, and then Belichick will be done in five. And you know, I think McDaniel's is gonna. I mean, I just think he's gonna stay. I, I, he's got it too good here. I, I don't know why he would take a second job when that's all you're gonna get. So stable ownership can have whatever he wants. I mean, he probably stays and is the next coach, whether I'm happy with that or not. You know, we'll have, we'll have to see. He's got five more years to learn out of Belichick, so we'll see. We'll see what happens from there. Yeah, you got you got to think they told McDaniel something because he was a hot commodity going into the off season. He was offered a couple. He was offered a couple of the the better jobs available this off season, and he basically said, "Nah, I'm going to come back to New England." So, yep. yeah, there's got to be there's got to be something more there, and because you know it's awesome. You know, if you stick around, you're going to win some more rings, but. Everyone wants to be the head honcho. So, right. Yeah, like uh, I said, if you take him. the Denver job, I mean, he, yeah. he probably goes and takes something this offseason. But, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, it's, it's unless you're Jeff Fisher, you know, uh, whoever else, you know, Malarkey, you know, you're not getting three chances. So, true. Very true. All right. Let's stay in Beantown. Let's talk Celtics basketball. Um, I didn't see this coming. I'm not a big NBA guy. I'm get there. Uh, they're up there. You got the the Cavs. You got the, the uh, Wizards. You got the Celtics all vying for the top spots in the East right now. And a lot of it's to do with the uh, little man, Mr. Isaiah Thomas. Um, what's the buzz going around Boston with the Celtics right now? Um, do they have a legit chance to make a run in the East? That's the question right there. I didn't know whether you're going to go with the title or the East. They have a legit chance to go in the East. I mean, that's for sure. Well, they're not coming out west and taking the crown. We're not going to no, go that. No, I know, way. but you know, but it's <laughs> it's really one of those things where you know the West. You know, they're not going to beat each other up because it's you know 
if the Clippers get healthy, you know, who knows? It's three teams out there, four teams, but really probably two. Um, it's, they definitely have a chance in the East. The Wizards are just – I mean, I, I hope we play them in the second round uh, because that series will be just incredible with what's happened in the last couple games. And it's the NBA. No one's trying to fight each other. It's fake tough guys. So um, the Cavs are – they get the best player in, in the league. You know, so it's just – it's probably going to be Cavs Spurs, but we're in a unique position where when we traded Pierce and Garnett four years ago, you're looking at a five-year plan. You're getting those Brooklyn picks. You knew they were going to be really good, maybe not this good. And so we can make the Eastern Conference Finals and have the top pick next year and maybe the year after and have a chance. Now, the question is, Isaiah Thomas, you know, he wants to back up the Brinks truck. He wants, you know, max contract, 30 million over four or five years. I mean, he's been incredible, but you know, the way it is, it's a point guard heavy draft. You know, we get the number one pick, it's Markel Fultz. It's it's really tough. I guess it all depends on what happens this playoffs. If they get to the finals, take somehow take the Cavs seven with the team they have. Um, you know, maybe Danny sticks with it, but you know, Danny Ainge is kind of like a Belichick in a way where he doesn't, he's not just because Isaiah is going to be, you know, he's averaging 29 a game and he's, you know, the king of the fourth, obviously, and all-star two years and the guy, you know, he's going to, he, he'll make a tough decision and get rid of him. He really will. You know, I truly believe that. So, you know, it really is tough. I think they get to the finals, the East Conference finals, you know, win maybe one or two against the Cavs. You know, everyone's worried about the Cavs. They're going to be fine. I mean, it's, it's just – as long as everyone's healthy, they're going to be there. And then they'll give the West a run. But, yeah, the Celtics are in a unique, unique position where they literally can, you know, make the East Conference Finals and then draft in the top three in the next two years. See, that's crazy. That's how little I pay attention to the NBA until the playoffs. I didn't realize they had those draft picks. That's To make a run like this and have those picks to back it up, is uh, that's huge. Yep. But um, I, I, I find it hard to uh, – I know, I know Isaiah is a good ball player and he's done it for a few years, but I got to, I still have to see him do it more, I guess, for a guy his size. I just need the consistency in a point guard driven league. And you say it's a point guard draft. I need, I need more out of that guy for that kind of money, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, I, yeah, I, I would need more. I'd rather see the money go elsewhere. Or if you're going to, if you're going to have that pick this year and the pick next year, yeah, I'd spread out the cash, in my opinion, but uh, you'd know more than I would about Boston and uh, what Ainge is going to do. But that's a that's a good problem to have, I guess. Very good yep. problem to have. Yep. And you think Spurs over the Warriors, huh? No, I'm not. I think it's one of the two. I, you know, it's it, it's you got to see what happens with it. Obviously, they have four All Stars on the Warriors. Mm-hmm. You know, what's their bench going to give them? You know, the Spurs are going to. You know, they have it. I mean, it's – it's the, the Warriors aren't a perfect team. They're not. And, you know, it's – regular season is one thing. They need to take the Spurs mentality and start you know, resting some guys because they're obviously not going to win 74 games and break last year's record. So they should really take that Popovich mentality and start resting some guys. And, you know, it, they should – again, they should play each other in the finals. I mean, the Clippers are a wild card if they get everyone healthy. And then you don't know what deals are going to be made, I'm sure. Somebody's going to be traded. They'll be bought out. 
and then the Warriors will go get him, kind of like we did in 08 with P.J. Brown, and people may not remember him, but that was a big pickup. So, you know, there'll be buyouts, and the Warriors will probably get some guy to come off the bench that's like 36, and he'll be play his 15 minutes, and he'll contribute and be fine. But, you know, the Warriors, obviously, it should be Warriors-Cavs. You don't know. It's the Spurs, man. It's Popovich. That system is just ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's so true. It should be a great series regardless. And it'll be fun to watch. Got uh, the All-Star Weekend coming up, which um, you never know. There's some uh, interesting kids I've seen highlights of. That's the one thing that sucks. I miss the old days where you knew everybody in the dunk contest. Now it's a bunch of kids, but there's some good ones coming into it. Um, Some really good ones. And um, the news came out today, Kevin Love, knee injury out four to six weeks. Um, That could be a big blow to the Cavs at the same time. Comes back healthy at six weeks. He got to technically rest, which could be very huge for the Cavs. There's two ways to look at that angle. Right. Um, long ways to go. Long season in the NBA. The playoffs are almost just as long as the season. So a lot of <laughs> long ways to go. Two and a half months. Uh, yeah. But enough enough small talk. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Let's talk baseball. Spring training is upon us, which means it's baseball season officially. We'll start with your boys. We'll start with the Red Sox, who started off the big, big, big news of the offseason. They went and got the man. They went and got Chris Sale. I'm just going to hop around this. Um, they dealt some big guys, Mancata, Kopech, uh, Basabe, and another young gun. What are the expectations for Chris Sale joining the likes of Price and Porcello, two Cy Young winners as the big three in that rotation. Yeah, it was I, – I, I do remember the day that they did trade for him. I actually was at work. No, I, you know, I work from home quite a bit. So I got the tweet deck going next to me. I didn't have it that day. I got a bunch of texts, and I went and checked it. And, you know, everyone's saying it's, you know, Moncada and Kopix and two guys to be named. And I'm saying to myself, all right, Obviously, we got Chris Sale. That's unbelievable. His contract for the next three years is incredible. Um, you know, Price can opt out in two years. So I'm like, all right, so it's a three-year window. Let's 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 get after it. And then I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, I got to wait and see. Because if we're talking Jason Groom, Devers is the other two guys, that he literally traded everyone for Chris Sale. And granted, if you get if it gets you a ring, you know, you win. But, you know, Dombrowski, he – he loves to trade. Now, granted, and I haven't – I got to go through this. I haven't had the time to do it. But, you know, his trades – you think about the biggest one is he trade when he traded Andrew Miller and and uh, Cameron Maben from Miguel Cabrera. Obviously, they won that trade. It took yes, years yeah. or whatever for Miller to turn into what he is now. Um, so, he's been pretty good with trading prospects, and they haven't really turned out into anything. Um, I think Mankata is going to be a beast. I mean, they had to give him up to get sale, obviously. Kopech, who knows, if he doesn't, like, beat up someone. You know, he broke his hand last year punching a kid, you know, on his team. So if he doesn't beat up anyone in the White Sox system, he might he might be able to reach 102 like he has been. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sale, Porcello, even though he's going to regress a little bit, um, and Price, I mean, they, if they don't win while they're here, I mean, that's just such a failure. It is such a failure. I mean, you just look at other teams that are in the AL. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. So, and people are talking about how Sale, you know, his velocity went down. But you know, I've read a couple things that 
he kind of was, you know, honing it in a little bit. He didn't want to, you know, not ruin his arm per se and not try, but he wanted to see how he could do with not throwing 98 every single time during towards the end of the season. So, I mean, it's they've got horses, man. It's, it's all lefties, though. It's four lefties and probably one righty. So we got to see what, how it goes there. Now, they pay the steep price, which you have to do. Yep. But at, at the same time, prospects are prospects. They'll prove otherwise. Yep. So we know Moncada, he's, he might even start with the big club this year. He seems like he's going to be legit. So let's not, let's say, okay, White Sox got one player. But the rest of them, Kopech could have Tommy John surgery tomorrow and he might never see a baseball field again. Yep. And the rest, the rest might never make it. Um, do you think that they overpaid for sale? If you just put it in a glass now, you, you just have to yes or no decide now. Do you think they overpaid for them, or are you content with what went down? No, I think both teams are happy. I think it's I think it was the perfect deal. Like I said, he's got three years left at manageable money. I think it's like twenty seven million or thirty million, something like that, off the top of my head. Um, and I think the White Sox are happy with everything they did. I thought mm-hmm. they robbed the Nationals. So, um, oh yeah. You know, it's it's. I mean, it's funny that they were talking about sale of the Nationals for the same deal that they based not the same exact deal, but pretty much the same guys that they basically got Adam Eaton for. So, it, yeah, it was kind of funny the way it turned out. I think both teams are happy with it. I, I'm happy with it, and, and I'm a prospect guy. But you know, Moncada didn't really have a position here. Not gonna play second with Pedroia. Third, I mean, he can move to third. But other than that. The outfield set for the next four or five years. I mean, he just didn't have a position, so it was kind of an okay thing. I'm glad they kept Devers. Not glad they kept Devers instead of him, but Devers is a third baseman. He is a true third baseman. So um, I, yeah. I think I'm fine with the deal. Now, how would you have felt if Benintendi was in the deal instead of Moncada? Uh a great question i probably would have been a little bit more mad but at the same time you look at the teams that are we're going up against in the al and it's you know it's pitching i mean it's it's the indians um you know i don't think the rangers will be there but they got two horses up front um so i you get the best pitching um you're probably gonna win for the most part um you look at the cubs i mean they had great pitching their offense was eh. I mean, look how Hayward turned out. So I would have been more mad about it. I think most fans would have been. Um, but, you know, I still would have been fine because you got the best guy in the deal. Okay. Yeah. No, and that's the way you got to approach it because there's two There's two ways to look at it. You said both teams should be happy with the deals they got. And it's because the Red Sox are in a win-now mode. So you get a guy like Sale who definitely, knock on wood, stays healthy. He's going to make your team better. There's no doubt about that. He is an ace. Like I told someone in a podcast I had before who writes for the White Sox, Sale is a Cy Young caliber arm just somehow by some act of God has not won a Cy Young. I don't know how. I don't make the rules. The um, team he's been on. Yeah, basically that's the only thing. It's like certain guys have never been an MVP. It's not their fault. Right. Um, think, it's like Mike Trout finally got one this year, and people argued it. People that argued it are morons. Um, yep. and, I, and I'm a Mookie guy, and I still thought it was Trout. 
yeah, Mookie is amazing. But if people don't understand Mike Trout as the best player in baseball, I don't, I don't advocate killing yourself, but go find a bridge and at least look over the edge. Um, uh, but the White Sox, when you're looking at a team like the at a team like the White Sox, when all you can do is rebuild, you got four outstanding players for sale. You did everything you could, and more importantly, you mentioned the Adam Eaton deal. And in fantasy sports, you talk about trade rape. They trade raped the Washington Nationals. I know, I know you people say Adam Eaton's cheap. He's young. He's got years on his contract. Yada yada yada. That's fine and dandy. He may help the Nationals. That is great. You just sacrificed three potential one and two starters in a rotation. And potential, like I said, prospects could be prospects. They could turn into nothing. But um, you just sacrificed three big boy arms. Yeah, and I'm not and, I'm not com- I'm not gonna kill the Nationals for what they did because I think yeah. they're in the same boat. As the, Red same boat as the Red Sox, because the Red Sox are always at the top three of payroll. So you always go back and get that. But yeah. the Nationals are in a window where Bryce Harper is going to go make $400 million with the Yankees. Yep. He's gone, and I think it's two years. You know, yep. still a shares are obviously Strasburg. You, you just don't know about Strasburg. So they're kind of in a, uh, they're kind of at a point where they, they have to win now. And yeah. who another deal? But they haven't had a center fielder at all. Yeah, it, it, they are win now, so they have to have them. I saw a stat somewhere that their leadoff position last year, they combined lead it off uh, 303 on base. Eaton was a 373 on base alone, which is a huge upgrade, yeah. especially when you have the likes of a Harper and Rendon and those guys behind you to drive in runs. That's huge. Um, and you sacrifice Giolito who on paper has shown the ability to be really good, but every time he had a shot in the bigs, underperformed. I didn't even think he looked that good. I'm more excited about Ronaldo Lopez. I like Ronaldo Lopez. And this Dane Dunning guy, they with their with their first round pick last year, I'm intrigued by that. But um, yeah, it's same scenario. One team needs to win now, one team building for the future. Very intriguing. Um, speaking of your third baseman, I've witnessed this. I've seen Travis. I've seen other people Google about it, drool about it. I've seen pictures of the sweat pouring down his face and just glistening on him like a porcelain god. Everyone's excited that the panda is back. He's only like 280 pounds now instead of 420. Um, what are the expectations for Panda? Do you believe this happens? Because I've witnessed it. I'll let you guys have your fun. Do you think this is the real deal? Is it going to happen? Because you guys traded you guys traded the mayor of Ding Dong City thinking this is happening. So is it happening? Yeah, and I'm, like I said, I'm a Travis Shaw guy. I was. I wanted him to start over him because – and Dombrowski didn't care because – and that was never a Farrell decision – it was always a Dombrowski decision. He said, I didn't sign pa- Pablo Sandoval, so what do I care if, if we're paying him? It is what it is. This is my thing. Um, so, you know, Travis Shaw, I mean, he just – nice little player, but had a nice start. Last four months was awful. So, he didn't really have a choice here. You know, Pablo, 
you know, I don't know if you heard this last year. I'm sure you did because you're a Pablo guy. But, you know, our owner basically said, you know, 17% body fat. So he's, he's, he's doing great. He's looking good. Hey, but this year he looks good. Um, supposedly, quote, unquote, looks good. He, he, there's no pressure on him, though, I feel like. He, all he has to hit is like 270 with like 15 dingers and 85 RBIs and don't be a fat load and be able to bend over and get a ground ball at third base. All he needs to do. And then you, you can give him rest because you have you, super utility Brock Holt on the bench. And then if Devers, if Pablo sucks and Devers has an unbelievable year, then you call him up. So it, it, they're in a unique situation where they got three years left on them. Um, you know, with an option, I think there is. I, I think we know we're not picking that up. Um, so we're in a unique situation where he just he doesn't have to be the guy. You know, he really doesn't, even though someone's got to, you know, replace or tease, not the word, but, you know, they've got to pick up that slack somehow. So, like I said, 270, 15 homers, 85 RBIs, and just bend over and pick up a ground ball and throw it at first base, Bob. That's all you need to do. It's funny because, first off, he can be that lovable fan guy that Poppy was. You guys, you guys will love him if he just hits 270. He will be that guy. Um, he's a lot of fun, and he actually can play defense when he's actually giving a shit. I'll right. tell you that much, too. I watched him make plays I never thought he could make. He's really uh, – he's a decent – I'm not going to say he's a plus defender by any means. Right. He's, a de- he's a decent defender. He will surprise you for a guy that size. Um, but I just don't know what his deal is because I've seen him – be such a good ball player, and then there's other times he's just lost. So maybe without the pressure, maybe you're right, because he's going to bat probably, what, sixth or seventh in the lineup. Um, it shouldn't be a big deal for him. Uh, Shaw just couldn't hit, really hit the left. He's more platoon situation. Uh, yeah. What's what's the situation with Davers, Devers? Um, is, is he that close to being ready, like he could be a late-season call-up and play every day? Yeah, I don't – He's due to – I mean, it's really next year I think is his is his thing. I think he's going to start off, I would guess, in Portland double-A. Um, and then, you know, you know, depending on how he does, I mean, that's – he's kind of in the Benintendi. He's not, I'm not saying he's that type of prospect. Um, okay. I think he just – you know, Baseball America, I think he was like – I want to say 25th in the top 100. So he is, you know, a really good prospect. Um, but if he gets hot – Sort of like Mankata did and Benintendi did. I mean, they, I, you know, Dombrowski is not, not fooling around. You know, he's, again, I don't know how old he is, but he's not long for it either. You know, I think he's got a few more years and then he'll probably retire. But um, so he wants to win now. So if, if he's ready, he's going to be up. And if he's only, I mean, obviously if Pablo and, you know, Holt and, and Holt's not an everyday guy. So that's not the, he can't be. We, we've proven that. I mean, he's a great player but he can't play more than 135 games, 130 games. It's just, it's not happening. Um, so yeah, if he's, if he's ready come July and Pablo's not there, they're ready to cut bait. I mean, they, they got rid of all the money and well, granted they're paying Moncada. So, you know, it is what it is there, but, and then they have Alan Craig and, and uh, Rusne Castillo that, that they're paying like a hundred million dollars to combined. It feels like down in triple A. So you know, I, there's a lot of money there that people don't know about. So, you know, you have to see. I, but John Henry's given him the, the tools to do anything. There's no Molokino. 
no more president in the background taking care of it. It's Dombrowski's deal, and whatever they're going to do, he's going he's gonna to do it. Okay, I want to ask you about some of your guys this year. Um, some had big years last year, some didn't. I want to kind of get your idea of what uh, what you're hearing, what you think, what you're expecting coming into spring uh, from these guys. A guy I grew up playing ball with, um, we kind of share the same receding hairline. <laughs> it, must, it must be a woodland thing. I hope he bounces back. I think he's got a couple years left. What are you seeing from Petey? Um, do you think he's got a couple more years of at least, you know, 15 to 20 homers, you know, hitting close to 290-ish like he's capable of, or uh, is he kind of on the way out? I don't want him sliding into head uh, into first base head first. I, I don't want him doing that because this is what happens. Like a couple of years ago, first game of the year, he's sliding into first base head first. He's got a broken wrist that he's playing through, and that's why he was he's batting 270, you know, with only 10 bombs. He has the year he had last year. Like like you said, 15 homers and he's scoring 110 runs and he's batting 320. That's fine. I mean, it, the question is whether they're gonna. I'm guessing they're going to lead him off again. I know he didn't like it, but, you know, it's off. I think they're going to lead him off um, just strictly because he gets on base and Mookie's got more power. Um, I think he's going to be fine for the next few years. I mean, when we signed that contract, it was like, shit, that's an unbelievable deal for Pedroia. Like, he took less money. He, he wouldn't have got Robinson Cano money, but, damn, he would have got close for what he was doing the, the few years before that. Um, so I think he'll be fine, like you said, you know, 15 with, you know, 75. And he's going to – be bats lead off the entire year, he's going to score 115, 120 runs. Yeah. Another guy in your club, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., had a huge coming out party last year. Batting at the bottom of your order is still produced very, very well. Um, they're looking for a repeat there because those are some big numbers to to repeat. But you said – Someone's got to take the big poppy slack. Uh, does he have it in him this year? Yeah, he got he got hot real quick. I mean, he, he, I think he had just an incredible. It, yeah, I'm looking at it now. I mean, he batted 381 in May. Um, I've been a Jackie Bradley guy since he came up in like 2012 because I, I his defense is just unbelievable. I mean, he'll get to every every ball. You know, he's got a bunch. He throw a bunch of guys out from anywhere. Um, and I was always that guy. I just want him to hit, you know, sort of like the Pablo thing. Let's, you know, just bat 270 with 15 bombs and 80 RBIs and steal 15 bases, and you'll be a center fielder for life because just just because of his range and his, he gets to every single ball. Um, I think he's gonna. His second half is awful. I think he's gonna regress a bit. I actually thought if we were to get Sale. I thought he was going to be in the deal because Benintendi's a true center fielder. So they can move him over um, and then, you know, just go get a left, a, a guy to play left field. Um, you know, I was wrong there, obviously, and he's got less. He's going to be a free agent. And he's a Scott Boris guy. So we all know Scott Boris is going to go for the moon. Um, so I think that he's good. I think he's only got probably two more years of of arbitration, I think. Um, so until he's a free agent, two or three, I think it is. But I, I'm, a, I'm still a Jackie guy. I just don't think he's going to hit, you know, whatever he hit last year. He hit, I think he hit like 26 homers. I, I think we're looking more at a 20 home run guy 
85 RBIs and, you know, average kind of what it ended at, like 265, something like that. The uh, runner-up MVP, Mookie Betts, had a hell of a year. I only think he gets better. Um, Are we looking at the next MVP or is Trout – well, it's tough to pass Trout, but is he only going to get better like I'm thinking? Yeah, I agree. I think he's only going to get better. I mean, you know, like I said, he – I don't know. Trout is just – I mean, to do that on that team, I was heavy. Like, you know, I know know we're going to talk about over-unders later, but – was heavy on the the Angels under last year. I thought that was like the easiest thing of all time. Um, to do that on that team is just insane. Um, but I think he's going to be there with them and Manny Machado. And I mean, it's it's just going to be those those young guys that are just coming up. Is it, it's kind of incredible right now. So he's going to be there. He's going to be get his thirty to hundred. I hope he gets to thirty thirty this year. Um, you know, he was really close last year. He had 26 stolen bases. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. He's going to be big time. And he's not, he's, you know, I don't know how long I, I should have looked it up, but he batted lead off for probably the first two or three months. So now you're talking 113 RBIs last year. I mean, you could be talking like 125 batting fourth or third the whole, the whole season. So, you know, and that's why I said, you know, Pedroia Benintendi batting in front of him on-base machines. So he's only going to get more opportunities and see more pitches. Another guy I really like, he's a batting third most of the year for you guys. Uh, rather large, reminds me a lot of A-Rod at the position at his age. Uh, your shortstop, Xander Bogarts, um, freaky athlete, loves to pound that green monster. Um, I think he's, if Betts wasn't in his way, I think he would be the stud on that team. Um I think he's due for a 30 homer season in my opinion, but maybe not that many, but what do you, what are your thoughts on Xander? Yeah, that's always been his potential. I mean, it's a couple of years ago, you know, he finally got to 20 last year, a couple of years ago, you know, he kind of broke out a little bit, um, bunch of contact, but it was real. And, and the thing in Boston was why, well, you know, why isn't he swinging for homers? He's just hitting singles. I mean, he's a contact guy. He just, he's just a, such a polished hitter at a young age. He, 30, I don't know if he'll get there this year, um, but that is the potential. And he's like, again, another Boris co- uh, client. You know, we have, a, we have we get a few years to worry about that. But if he continues to trend where he's trending, yeah, we're talking 30, 120 every year at shortstop. Now, whether he'll stay at shortstop for his whole career, I don't know. He probably won't. That's you know, how I was going to what you think about that. That's what I was going to ask you right now is, so say, I know he's a Boris client, so it's going to cost you. Yeah. Say the Red Sox pay him. Yeah. And I don't think he stays at shortstop. See, I think he's too big. Right. Um, he's a right. Logical, third base. Logical move at third base. Well, then what do you do with Devers? I mean, I guess we'll cross that when we get there. I mean, it's, <laughs> we're talking five years. You know, we got to see if we talked about prospects being prospects before. Sure. So, you know, and, and He's going to be shortstop until he gets paid, and he'll probably, I would say, you know, 32, 33, and then he continues to fill out a little bit as he gets older. You know, he's, you know, third base, first base, you know, who knows where he moves to. But um, Heck, He's athletic enough he could go play a corner outfield probably. That, that too, yeah. I mean, I think – I could be wrong. I think he did play a couple games at corner outfield when he first moved up when we were kind of – 
we were kind of uh we had the third baseman the shortstop so um yeah he's it's it's but offensively that was his thing is when he came up that was what everyone was worried about and then he kind of figured it out last year and a half and you know he definitely defensively was not a liability last year at all okay the last one i will ask you for it's everyone's darling he's got the luscious locks he's on he's on everyone's number one prospect list I have a little bit of a man crush on him because most people don't know it's between the Cubs and the Red Sox. This has nothing to do with bandwagons. I've been this way for a long time because of family acquaintances. If I'm not a Giants fan, it's always been a Cubs-Red Sox thing. And this guy, he's got a little piece of my heart. Ben Intendi, this kid is special. Um, he's He won me some DFS contests last year because he was cheap and DraftKings are idiots. It takes him like three weeks to adjust pricing. Agreed. Uh, um, I don't understand that one at all. But um, this kid looks as legit as they come, and he is about to light the world on fire, barring some freak thing I'm knocking on wood as we speak. Um, what – I know the expectations are high in Boston. What are the realistic expectations in Boston? It's so funny. I mean – the kid is a stud and he and the reason it's not just because of his of the way he plays baseball and defensively and you know he can hit to any field he just doesn't give a shit like literally to come to Boston and not be Kyle Crawford um you know granted he was drafted he didn't sign here but Kyle you know people people overrate the whole can't play in Boston thing for the most part Carl Crawford literally could not play in Boston. He couldn't handle the media. He couldn't handle the fans. And then he fizzled out in L.A. And it's crazy that that happened. Benintendi just doesn't care. He is just going to have an unbelievable year as long as he stays healthy. And just like you, I'll knock on wood. He, I, the, the last year at Arkansas – I think he hit like 20 homers, something like that. So whether that translates to the MLB, I think it could be sort of a Xander thing where it takes him one to two years to get to the 2025 homer plateau. Um, But I think we're talking, you know, 310. He's going to steal probably 15, 20 bases maybe. Um, Obviously defensively be unbelievable, even though as Manny taught all of us, you don't have to be – very good defensively in front of the green monster. Um, I hope he gets to like 15 homers. He's just, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what people project for him in terms of you know season long and then where to use him in DFS, obviously. Yeah. He, he seems like he could be that good number one, two hitter until he finds that power. Yeah. He reminds me of a lot of like um, an early Gregory Polanco, Manny Machado type where it takes time for the power where all of a sudden he's like a 40 double guy. And then those doubles start turning into homers. They yep. don't, they're not like, they're not too hopping the wall. Now, like a year later they start hitting the wall. And then the year later they're five rows into the in the outfield. And that's, that's where I see him. He's going to be that guy, but he's a lefty and they have that short fence and right. That pesky pull might get pounded a few more times than not. Thank so, you, yeah, so I am looking forward to that kid. Um, yeah, uh, I got a little soft spot for him. 
when Pedroia retires, I might have to hang up my Pedroia jersey and uh, get me a Ben and get a Ben and Tandy one to replace it. Yeah. But uh, but one last question, Red Sox question. Then we'll move on so people don't think it's you know everything Boston today. But how can I not with a name like Boston Mo? Um, one last question. With the legendary Big Poppy leaving town, everybody loved Big Poppy. You can hate the Red Sox, but you can't hate Big Poppy. It's just you can't. Um, Pedroia's always been a leader, but he's always been like the asshole leader. Like he's the drill sergeant leader. Um, like I told you, you got Panda, who could be the goofball, but he hasn't earned that respect. He just hasn't done shit. Uh, you have Betts, who's probably the MVP talent, but he hasn't been there long enough. Who is the guy to take over the poppy role and kind of lead the team? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's Pedroia. You know, off the top of your head, I think if anyone, even not a Red Sox fan, would look at it and say, it's that guy. You know, I'm not sure it is, and I'm not sure if I even know if there will be one. Um, Because Pedroia is the leader on the field based off his play. Because he's always, you know – you know, diving all over the place. And, you know, I know Barstool loves loves the word grit. He's gritty. You know, he's, he's it, that's just how he leads. He I don't know per se if he can be the vocal leader, but I think he knows he has to too. Um, I think Sneaky, even though he's new, and, you know, as long as we keep the scissors away from him, Chris Sale could be that guy. I mean, just the way he just performs on the mound, not only that, I, I from what I get, he's a good clubhouse guy. I mean, you know, we made a little bit big deal about Drake LaRoche cut the uh, uniforms, but from what I hear, what I read, he's a big clubhouse guy. So I think that's the sneaky dark horse there. Yeah, I was thinking like a him or like a David Price type guy. Oh, don't even get started. Has, don't even oh, get started. Not a Price fan, huh? Uh, well, I guess we might have to save that for another time then. It sounds like that's yeah. going to take a while. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know this. this no, well, it's, it's – I'm a price guy when it comes to the mob, but like, ugh, just stop being a little. We will, we will, we will save this. We will save this for this. We'll, we'll save this. All right, let's move on to something else. Over the weekend, I guess Sunday, Monday, it kind of finalized. The Braves have been rebuilding for a couple of years. They're oh so close. They're opening a new stadium this year. Dansby Swanson, former number one draft pick of the D-backs in the Shelby Miller trade. He looked good last year. He's getting a full year. Reds are rebuilding in a different way, a lot of youth. Finally, Brandon Phillips waves his no-trade clause. The second time the Braves tried to acquire him, finally waves it when he realizes the Reds basically say, Brandon, you can wave it or you can't, but we're not going to play you a lot this year. We're playing the young guys. Take it or leave it. You're going to be a free agent. You might want to play if you want to get another one- or two-year contract. Just an idea. He waves it. He's going to, to the Braves. The Braves send over two mediocre, at best, 27-year-old and 29-year-old arms, neither of which will make the 40-man roster. The Braves are only paying $1 million of the $14 million left on his deal. The Reds take care of the rest. Phillips loses his 10-5 and five rights, but the Braves agree to not trade him to the 12 teams on his no-trade clause list. And if they trade him anywhere else, they will give him $500,000 in compensation. So the Georgia native Phillips probably isn't going anywhere. That's kind of what I've gotten out of it the last few days. What I want to know from you, because this is kind of weird. It's kind of two different ways to rebuild. 
because last year they traded for Matt Kemp. They've added Bartolo Colon, R.A. Dickey. They've added some veterans. I have my opinions. I want to hear yours. Brandon Phillips, the Braves. What are your thoughts on this as a rebuilding standpoint and for the Braves and for the Reds? We'll start with that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the Reds, you basically trade him. Granted, again, he's not a bad clubhouse guy, but he had it out with the management. Um, you traded him to, to let Jose Peraza play, and then that's and that's it. it they were going to pay him $14 million no matter what, so now they're only paying $13 million. So the Reds obviously did the right thing. The guys they got, I don't even think we're in the top 30 of the Braves' prospects. So it really wasn't a trade. It was a release. You know, if those two guys turn out to something, then then fine. They, the Reds saved themselves a million. And, you know, I went to a Reds game last year, and they need to save that million because I could sit anywhere I wanted to there. So um, there are not many people going to the games. So it, 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 the Reds are – trying to do what they can. The other teams rebuilding are way ahead of them. Um, and that's their fault and their fault only. At first, I agree with you. I know we talked about this on Twitter briefly. I agree with you with the Braves. What are they doing? You know, they they don't have a second baseman anymore. Sean Rodriguez, you know, obviously got in that unfortunate car accident. He's out three to five months. That was going to be their guy per se to play most of the games in second base. I'm okay with the Phillips deal with for them. And the reason for that is you don't know the – do we know the 12 teams that are on his list? Uh, I have not seen a list released. Everything I read just said 12 teams. I do not know them. So who knows who that could be? I mean, that could be anywhere from San Diego and Arizona who aren't going to be anywhere near the playoff picture. I don't know, and I thought about this when we were coming on and we knew we were going to talk about it. I don't know if there are many contenders that need a second baseman. If you're looking at, let's call it 12 teams that can make the playoffs, you know, at least the top 12, in my opinion, they all really were set at second base. So I'm okay with it, the Braves standpoint, because what if he does have a decent year, somebody gets hurt somewhere, someone sneaks up and then they go and flip them for two more prospects on on the list um, on a team that's not on his list. So I'm okay with it because either way, they're going to get something out of it. And he's obviously been regressing. He's 38 years old or whatever he is. So I'm okay with it. They have a new stadium opening up. So they don't want to completely bottom feed, even though they have. They're still going to be one of the top seven or the bottom seven in baseball. It's just that's it's, it is what it is. Yeah, once, uh, once the Dodgers got Forsyth, it kind of ruined – any leverage the Reds thought they had with Phillips, I think. Right. Because I still don't know how the Minnesota Twins botched the Dozier deal. That one blows my mind to this day. I want to know what the other pieces were that were offered with De Leon that they turned down. I still want to know this because there was De Leon and two other pieces they said no to for Dozier. I still want to know what those are because I would love to know what those are. Well, I, but, think, they uh, wanted, I think they wanted Behring, uh, Bellinger. That's what they wanted, but I want to know. I want to know what was offered that they said no to, right? Because right about now, it's probably looking pretty damn good. Um, so in that aspect, their leverage is gone. They get to play Peraza. It's great. I think they finally realized we've been doing this rebuild way too slow, way too long. 
We're way behind the eight ball. We should have traded Bruce a year or two ago, Phillips a year or two ago. We're never going to be able to move Votto at his price tag without eating up all that salary. It's a mess. They picked up good pieces along the way. They just haven't put it together the right way. Um, so that's that mess up there. Brave side of things, Phillips is still a very productive player. He's batting 290-ish. He's hitting 12 to 15 homers. He's still in 15-plus bases. He's scoring runs, very productive. Brings a veteran influence to a team that's half youth, half veteran, so he's going to help in that aspect, which I think is very good. Um, they have a youngster in Albies that uh, he's about a year away. He's going to start Triple A. They can probably bring him up in September, mentored with Phillips, which would be huge. So he can kickstart next year with the club. Say they're not contending and someone all of a sudden needs a second baseman. He's only costing the Braves a million dollars. You flip him, pay the 500000 Who gives a shit? Get a couple prospects or something. Yep. There's a win-win. There's a win-win right there for your rebuild. Um, I like how they're doing it. You get Cologne and Dickey this year to eat up innings and teach the youngsters, especially Cologne, because a lot of these rebuilding kids are of Latin descent, and having a guy like Cologne teach young Latin kids how to play baseball is going to go a long, long ways. Um, the thing with Phillips I also like, because now you have Swanson, Phillips, Freeman, Kent at the top of your order. I saw a stat today, and I kind of realized it talking with Tommy Stokey on my last podcast. The Braves were top six in baseball and runs scored in the second half of the season. That was after they acquired Kemp. Uh, Freeman had a huge second half of the season. The Braves actually might not be horrible outside of their pitching staff, which actually kind of got better with Cologne and Jaime Garcia. So I'm not trying to justify by any means that they're going to be a good baseball team. They're in a very tough division still. Yeah. But, but they're not like the absolute – bottom feeders we expected them to be. Um, they're going to be inter- interesting, especially with the Phillips move. It changes a lot. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a good move. It's a, it's a, they, they lose nothing. It's a million dollars with two players they weren't going to use anyways. Right. So very interesting move. Um, both teams needed to do it. It's just funny how it finally shook out in the wash. Let's move on to a uh, little gambling Team totals were released about a week ago uh, in Reno and Vegas. Into a leak, uh, wager talk uh, of the Atlantis sports books uh, team totals. So numbers have probably changed since then. Everybody has different books. Uh, we'll go back and forth on a couple we like. Uh, we'll start with you, Mo. Which, what's one that you like and why? All right, you're going to love this one. Um, I'm gonna really love this one. I'm I'm a big big Dodgers guy this year. I think I think they win 94 95 games. I'm just I it, as long as Kershaw's back doesn't hold off, it doesn't come back. Um, it, I I'm just a big big Dodgers guy this year. I think they had something going last year. They improved with foresight is better than Utley and, and Kendrick. Um, you know, they got to figure out the whole Puig situation. Um, they re-signed Justin Turner, Jansen. That's, I guess that's your only, your only thing, um, is their bullpen. You know, it's, we're going to have Joe Blanton pitching, you know, 75 innings again. It's, that's their one question, but you know, Seager, 
Jock Peterson, all another year older. I'm a big, big Dodgers guy this year. 91 and a half is a lot. I try to stay away from anything 90, but I think I'm going to be on the Dodgers. I don't know what she, you know, big Giants guy. I don't know what you think about that one. I can't say you're wrong. Yeah. I can't condone these things. <laughs> That's why I started with the Dodgers. I know. I can't I can't say you're wrong. Um, I'm not going to give a homer bet on the Giants. Wink, wink. I like it. But I can't give that homer bet. But, um, yeah, in all fairness, I love Clayton Kershaw. It's, another, it's like the Brady thing. I respect the shit out of Clayton Kershaw. I hate yep. the Dodgers. And I do not respect the Dodgers at all. But I don't really I, like him either, per se, to be honest with you. Yeah, I respect the shit. I respect the shit out of um, out of uh, out of Clayton Kershaw. And um, give me a if they can stay healthy. The biggest issue I have with the Dodgers is um, their starting pitching staff as a whole. Um, can they stay healthy? Can um, you know, you're looking at guys like what Casimir and um, what's his name, the uh, Japanese kid, Meda. Um, can they kind of stay good enough? Uh, second year through the bigs is Maeda still fooling people? Yep. Uh, he wasn't fooling him as much the second time through the bigs last year. Now second full season is he going to fool him as much? Stuff yep. like that. Those are big questions. Um, uh, but yeah, they're a good ball club. The Forsyth move, very, very, very big move for them. Uh, I love their Gutierrez pickup the other night. They needed uh, a bat of, against left-handed pitching. I think that's yeah. They're they're the favorites in the West for a reason. Um, I hate saying it, but that's not a bad pick. I'm gonna go with the the under for the Baltimore Orioles under 84 and a half. Um, I think. They had a horrible offseason. If they didn't pick up Mark Trumbo, it might have been one of the worst offseasons. Um, they got lucky to get him for the price tag they got him for. Um, the biggest issue I have with the Baltimore Orioles is that pitching staff. Uh, they already announced today Chris Tillman might miss the start of the season now because he has shoulder issues already. season hasn't even started. And that is their best pitcher, which is already saying how bad their pitching staff is. If Chris Tillman's your best pitcher, um, you're relying on Dylan Bundy, who has uh, shown the greatness he has in the minors, has never come through in the bigs. And then you have Ubaldo Jimenez. You traded Giovanni Gallardo, who was actually one of your better pitchers last year. Um, you're relying on a bunch of what ifs, and that is not good in the AL East against the likes of Boston and uh, Toronto and a team like Tampa, who I actually think won't be half bad this year. Um, I got under 84 and a half with the Baltimore Orioles. I like that pick, and I always feel like I bet the under for the Orioles. Um, and then they go ahead, and like a couple years back, they win like 94 games and then win the East. And I do it because their staff sucks. And you're probably right this year, and I'll probably be on that one when I look into it more. I mean, just looking at it, 4-5 is Wade Miley, Ubaldo Jimenez. I mean – Enough said. Yep. It's, it's um, obviously their offense in that ballpark will be fine. Their bullpen is really what gets them close to that 84 mark. It, it does every year. It saves them because if they get a lead into the seventh, 
done. It's just, it's over. So that is, that's the key. I like that one. Um, Yeah. I, I, I probably wind up taking that one, but I got to look into it a little bit more. Well, yeah, the only, yeah, like you said, their saving grace is their offense is ridiculous. And that's why that Trumbull signing was huge. Huge. Um, And the bullpen and the bright side is Zach Britton's well rested. So he's ready for the season. So (laughs) yeah. What do you got next? Uh, What do I have next? I actually have um, Twitter's favorite team, the Texas Rangers. Um, Gambling Twitter's favorite team. I got the under. Um, You know, you look at that pitching staff and it's Hamels and and Darvish. Great. Awesome. Um, Will Darvish stay healthy? Big question. Then you look at the rest of the rotation, you say, what the fuck are they doing? Like, what, what, is, like, you don't even have a three. They, I mean, cash nerds, <laughs> cash. I mean, what am I, that's all you need to say is cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that ballpark in the summertime, in that ballpark in the summertime, the over-unders are going to be like bigger than course. So, um, yeah, I, I got under 86 and a half. I don't even know if like, like we talked about before, I don't even know if it's still 86 and a half. I'll be on that one. Um, and I'd like see I you know I like Seattle to be better this year. I think the Angels, if they if they can stay healthy, be a little bit better. So I think the division as a whole will be better. I mean Houston, as long as they play it like they do in the second half, I mean, they should be fine. So yeah, I'm on the under the Rangers there. They're, again, same as the Orioles, kind of like with you. The offense is fine. You know they got Napoli back, um, lost Desmond, but they signed Carlos Gomez. Who knows again what he'll do. Um, but in that ballpark, you know, that offense will be fine. Um, but I still got under 86. I think they win, you know, between 80 and 83 games, something like that. Yeah, that, that's a tough one because I like Texas a lot this year. I can't touch that over-under because, like, why would you sign Andrew Kashner instead of Colby Lewis, who's still a freaking free agent? I'd rather have Colby Lewis take the bump instead of Andrew Kashner. And that's crazy to say, but I'd rather yep. do that. I would rather the, have Colby Lewis the, the, up, the upside from six years ago. Yeah, it is just bananas. Um, but their offense is crazy. But unlike Baltimore is the Rangers bullpen. You look at their closer, it's uh, I believe it's Jeffers. Yeah, it was good last year. It was good last year in his first year of closing, but after that it's horrific. It it is a bunch of it's a cast of characters. Um so that's going to be very, very interesting right there. That's all yep. I have to say about that. Something to keep a very, very close eye on right there. All right. Where do I want to go next? Let's take this magic carpet ride to – I like that one. No, I'm going to go to your backyard. I'm going to go Red Sox over 90 and a half. I hope I'm not jinxing you here. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, just like you, I hate the 90s, but I'm telling you, and I know it's this is chalky as chalky can be, but I love their offense. I know losing Poppy's big, and I know the signing of Morden doesn't replace Poppy, but having Hanley not have to play defense, I just love. Just let him DH, not have to worry about shit. Just sit there, go hit off a team between innings, go do whatever you want to do. Just That's fine. Stay off Instagram, though. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. If Panda, if this no pressure thing, uh, being Tindy all year, um, a healthy Pedroia is going to be huge. 
if he stays healthy. That's a big if with the way he plays. Um, but the addition of Sale, and one thing we didn't talk about with uh, your guys, one trade I like better than Sale maybe is Thornburg. I love the Thornburg trade. As a setup man, he was my choice for closer for Milwaukee. That guy has pure filth. And then if you get, uh, I believe, Smith back at some point early in the season, your bullpen is nasty. So um, I wouldn't use nasty, but I, I do like the Thornburg trade. But I'm worried about the one year, the one year wonder thing. I mean, he's only had really one good year. So it's he's got power arm. Power arm. Let's go with that. Yeah, well, Carson Smith did too. So, like, well, the pro- the only concern I have with the Sox bullpen is there's the lefties. You got Robbie Ross and um, one other Fernando Abad. Yeah, Fernando Abad. Those names don't really scare you. But um, but if they could address that, it'd be a lot better. But I really want to say over ninety and a half of Boston. I'm gonna, I'll probably regret that one later. But I'm gonna go ninety and a half of Boston. Yeah, well, I'm coming after you if it doesn't happen. So that's fine. Uh, plane flights aren't cheap. Knock yourself out. Um, let's go one more. What you got? Uh, where do I want to go here? Um, let me find them. Um, I'm going to actually go, um, with the team that we talked about earlier, Cincinnati. I'm going to go under 73 and a half. Um, yeah, that was pretty high. I was surprised by that. Yeah. So and I, I, I tend to take the wrong, I took the Brewers last year under 70 and a half. I think they won 72, 73 games because I thought for the same reason they were going to be the worst team by far. And it wasn't going to be close in that division. Um, you know, obviously the Cubs are the Cubs. They'll probably lose 15 games to the Cubs just right there. Um, and then Pirates and Cardinals will always be there. Well, Pirates not always, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. The Brewers will be – they'll be better. Yes. And I don't know how much better, but they'll win – get to their 73 games like they did last year. It seems like Craig Council knows sort of what he's doing, whether they trade Braun or not. Is the question, but the Reds, I mean, that's going to be a, that's, it's really going to be a tough season for the people in Cincinnati. I mean, it just, I don't see them winning more than like 65, 66 games. They just, they don't have the pitching. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Iglesias as closer if he does win the job. Um, you know, it's Homer Bailey's out again. He's maybe, you know, he's going to come back, but will he ever have that season that he had in 2013 or whatever it was? You know, it's the lineup is not terrible for a terrible team, I guess. But, yeah, it's going to be a rough year in Cincinnati. All right, this one might be counterproductive to me, but I'm going to stay in the AL East. Give me the Tampa Bay Rays over 75 and a half. I'm very big on them, the way they handled their off. They did a very Tampa Bay Rays offseason. Made the trade to restock the right things. They paid for just the right free agents at just the right Tampa Bay Ray money um, for what they need, for what they can do, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I'm looking for them to uh, – part of the over is correlating to Baltimore going under. So it kind of leapfrogs them in the third. Yep. Um, also, 
I really feel Chris Archer kind of comes back into Chris Archer. He had a, such a bad year last year. A healthy Chris Archer, a healthy Alex Cobb to go with Jake Odorizzi. A lot of this also depends on them not selling at the trade deadline. That would be big. <laughs> but um, I think they're going to be a really good ball club. You got Longo. You got some good young bats to go along with a, a very, very good pitching staff. And a bullpen that's not that bad. Not a big name, a lot of big names. But, you know, Boxberger, Colomay, very talented bullpen that can handle righties and lefties. Um, very underrated team that I think can be at least close to 500 by year's end. Yeah, don't hate that pick. The only downside, like you said, is if they trade. Archer's been in trade discussions. Odorizzi's been in trade discussions. The lineup is their normal lineup. Rasmus, Lomo. Um, yeah, I like that. That's a sneaky, decent bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing they have against them is just the AL East. They just beat up on each other. So, you know, everyone's near that yeah. 500 mark. But, yeah, I, I kind of like that one too. And if you if people want to dig in, because I, I, we're doing these picks. And I haven't done complete research. I've looked a little bit. But Tampa Bay's opening month schedule is just disgusting. So, mm-hmm. if they can kind of sneak out of there even just a few games under 500, they'll be they'll be okay. It's nasty. But, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm looking at it real quick, it is, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's not nice at all. But um, there's three each. We could do these all day, but then again, we have other things to do. Um, real quick, a couple rule changes. Baseball's getting goofy. Um, they apparently want to play slow-pitch softball. I play slow-pitch softball for – uh, almost going on 20 years now, and every time we go to extra innings, it's okay. Last out, go to second base. We're going to start the inning now, and um, yeah, it makes it easier to score a run. Apparently, that's what Major League Baseball wants to do: is start a runner on second base in extra innings to help speed up the game, so we don't play 17 inning games. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because I think it is the silliest thing I've ever heard. It, it literally, and my slow pitch softball rule is: if we get to extra innings or an hour. It's one pitch. So are we getting to that route? I, I don't know what it is. Um, it, I hate it. You know, I don't – we don't – like, I know they want to get young viewers in, and our local guy here loves it because he just – he has no attention span, our local radio guy here. It's like we don't – don't watch them. We don't want – we don't need you to watch. Um, the The second base thing is the dumbest thing of all time. I think it's like something like – seven to 10% of the games, if it might not even be that high, goes to extra innings. It's like, we, we, we don't care. We, we don't need it. They just, it's just dumb. It's just really silly, like you said, and it's it's not going to happen. I, I don't think it's going to happen, at least. Yeah. And then the other thing they're talking about is the strike zone change. They want to raise it even higher to essentially shrink the strike zone. Basically, it's like, Knees to letters wasn't good enough. Now they want to go slightly above the knees to make it even harder to throw. You already can't really throw inside on a guy anymore. Um, so these pitchers are going to make it – it's even harder for a pitcher to throw a tough pitch. It's going to be easier to hit a baseball. Um, so they want to shorten the game, but now it's going to be easier to get hits, so there's going to be more offense, which in reality probably lengthens the game. Um <laughs> If, if, at least that's the way I interpret it. No, no, I, um, I agree. Um, how how do you see 
How do you see that playing out besides just what we just said there, lengthening the game? How do you see – what do you see the logic behind shrinking the strike zone? Do you see any well, logic at all? Yeah, as you said, more offense. It's like they did in football. It's like you can't – you really can only hit, like, from your from the waist to, you know, the shoulders. Um, you, you just – they want to eliminate concussions in football. Now they want to get more offense in baseball so that people are watching. They they think people don't want to watch a 2-1 game, you know, one nothing game. Sometimes those are the best games because it's just great pitching, great defense, a lot of situational baseball, at least for the baseball, you know, purists like you and me. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't understand how they could do it anyway because the, the umpires have their own strike zone. We yeah. know Joe West is a terrible, terrible umpire behind the plate. We all know that. Okay, country yeah. Joe West is going to call whatever he wants to call. They're not going to go off and do it unless they start firing all these guys, which you know they're not going to do. The umpires have their own union. So, again, another one I just don't think is going to happen. It's just – it's it, it just needs to – the pitchers need to just speed it up, and that's it. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is unless they literally start putting robot umpires or, like, the lasers on the sides and it just goes through and there's a computer that goes strike ball, until they do that, as long as there's still a human back there, there is zero way they can adjust and legal, literally say this is the new strike zone because – like you said, every umpire has their set strike zone. Yep. There's no changing this. And um, like I think it was Smoltzy or one of the like Billy Ripken or somebody on MLB tonight the other night said these umpires are scared of the foul tips now. That's why they set up over the shoulder instead of behind the the head of the catcher because so it takes out the outside corner or the inside corner based on where they're at and. So now you want them to adjust the height also, you're you're asking for way too much. It's just yeah. never going to. That, that's, that's a great point by probably Billy Ripken. It probably was not Harold Reynolds. I can probably confirm that because he just – Oh, I guarantee, I guarantee it wasn't Harold Reynolds. Guarantee yeah, I just don't know when he's made a good point. But, yeah, it's just it, these rule changes, they're just looking at the wrong place. I mean, I think it – I think it, they went up last year, didn't they, in, in – Length of yep. game didn't the average length of game like go up from the year before and they put all these rules in? Yep. And the last one is they want to get rid of the intentional walk. Basically, they have it like in little league and stuff where I've watched it, even softball. If you want to intentionally walk a guy, you just go. I want to intentionally walk him, and he just takes his base. No four pitches. I want your thoughts on that one. I mean, if you're putting a gun to my head and you say you've got to pick one of those three, it's that one. But I mean, what are we doing here, too? I mean, we're talking, you know, 15 to 20 seconds. And how many intentional walks are there a game one, if that? Again, they're looking in the wrong place. It's, 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 if they want to do that, fine. But we, we know how wild, I mean, some pitchers are. I mean, we've had pitchers almost throw pass balls in this thing. So that one, that one doesn't bother me as much as the other two, but I don't see what – what you're gaining there. Yeah. If there's nobody on base, which you rarely do an intentional walk, sure. Knock yourself out. If there's guys on yep. base and there's a chance for a uh, wild pitch, you're throwing four pitches. That's just my two cents. But yep. there's a stat right here in front of me at ESPN ran. Uh, there was 932 intentional walks, which equates to one every 5.2 games. So we're not wasting time. We're really not. Nope. There's no reason for this at all. Nope. Um, 
like they said, you want to stop wasting time, stop letting a catcher go out four times in the inning some games or stuff like that. There's how you're, or, or the replay where you got a guy, a, a manager sitting on this dugout step waiting two minutes for the guy in the booth to call him and tell you when to replay. And then the umpires all gather in a thing and we can watch it on MLB tonight in 30 seconds and tell you, yeah, he's safer out. Like what's taking so damn long? It, it Yeah. And, it, and they, I saw the other day that they, that might give them only 30 seconds to actually look at the replay. Um, now that's something I can get behind. Yeah. So I saw that the other day and the whole replay thing is insane because by the time the umpires go over there, the New York should have the call. They should yeah. literally know what the call is. Put the headset on. He's out. Okay. He's out. Let's yeah. get, let's play baseball. Yeah. That was one of the other things. Uh, one of the guys on MLB tonight said again, not Harold Reynolds, um, what they need to do is they need to have a fifth umpire on the crew at all times, and he sits upstairs, kind of like how hockey does. Yep. And basically, basically all the guy does the home plate or the crew chief goes to the headset, looks up to the guy in the booth, and all he does basically is a thumbs up or a thumbs down within thirty seconds, and you move on. That way, you, that way, that way, the guy, the coach cannot argue with anybody on the field. It was the guy out there that made the call. You either can walk up there and argue with them all you want, but you're not disrupting the game. Game continues. Move on. Agreed. Yeah, it's that simple. All right, let's wrap things up with this last topic we have. Top 10, you know, it is baseball season, so fantasy baseball is here. We can do this real quick, and we can dig in deeper at a later date and time if we want. But um, give me your top 10 fantasy baseball players just to give people a little taste of fantasy baseball. Yeah, I mean, obviously, number one on everyone's list, Trout. I mean, that's that's pretty simple. Um and then it gets kind of dicey. I mean, you really go from – I think you can kind of flip these two, Altuve or Betts. I think if you want to get rid of that second base um, position that isn't terribly deep compared to, like, third base, I think you might want to go Altuve. Uh, Betts is there. And then you get to kind of that third base where you can kind of interchange them. Um, Donaldson, Arenado, Bryant, Machado. Um, I think you can kind of interchange those guys, and um, and I think we finish up. I'm not a starting pitcher in the first round guy. I know Kershaw is unbelievable. I go hitting, um, so I would go probably um, probably Rizzo, um, and then this guy's very interesting. I got to do a little bit more research on to see what went on last year, whether it was AJ Pollock or whatnot. Goldschmidt because his power numbers went way down. His hard hit percentage went down. Did steal 32 bases, but I think that's why it keeps them up, keeps him up there. But I had to do a little bit of research, but he definitely is in the top 10. Um, and then I'm buying a bounce back for Bryce Harper, and I'd have him right in there. Very, very nice. Very nice. You, uh, very, very nice. Well, we will get into those at a later time because I'm curious. I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of questions on those actually. Just because I'm for uh, the Sports Degens site, I'm, we're doing our position by position rankings right now. Came out with our second base rankings yesterday. Shortstops comes out Thursday every three days, basically a new position. So I'm curious on a couple things you got going on there. Not in a bad way. Just want to pick your brain. Yep. And um, we will get into those later at a later date and time. But um, good stuff, good stuff. 
I've kept you here long enough, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Uh, I know you got big plans tonight. Um, but that was good. Lots of good stuff there. Did you have anything else you wanted to hit on? No, man, it's been fun. Hopefully, you know, I know we've been talking a little bit. Hopefully we can do it again soon. And, and with baseball coming up, big baseball guys. So maybe we can get into it a little bit more and hash it out and uh, get into some other topics as we get closer. Oh, we definitely will. We will do this again. Um, I do this once a week. Going to pick up the pace on that. We might uh, have something else in store for you folks. We never know. But uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled on the Twitter. Like I said, you can find him at Boston underscore Mo Mo. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, folks, again, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 20. Check out thesportsdgens.com. Check me out at BDNTrick. Again, episode 20 in the books. Thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time.